you're about to enter seventh heaven. If you like this pod, then you can show your support by rating us five stars and hitting that little subscribe button to help us climb the pod rankings and spread the sevens gospel. If you're looking for extra content, you can go to our YouTube page or our social channels, Twitter and Instagram, our handle at seventh heaven pod. Again, like, subscribe, share, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back once again to your celestial one-stop shop for all things seven, where I'm dropping a bombshell on you early doors because this is the last in the series of Seventh Heaven. You've been joining myself, Bernsey, Mitch and Chip throughout this year's HSBC World Series Sevens. But this is our final episode and we're going to be market by having an end of season party. We don't have the finest talent on the pitch, which is what we've been bringing to you week in, week out. But we do have the best men on the mic of steel who call the shots from the rooftops and put all that pizzazz into the commentary for each leg event. Carlton Arna and Sean Maloney are joining us up here in the clouds. And we are pumped. Nice, Burnsy. Well done for getting his name right as well. So, Burnsy, uh, you're looking a bit worse for wear today. You were uh, on the three-day hangover from your 40th birthday party. Age just a number. I've got some some big balloons here stating that I'm 35. That's like a Fijian birth certificate, that. This is how you verify your age, by big balloons. Do you remember that when Oberfamey Martin signed for Newcastle in the Premiership? When he came over and uh, they were like, uh, Newcastle, like, yeah, we've signed this 21-year-old Nigerian international Oberfamey Martins. And uh, everyone was like, He's been playing for Inter Milan for seven years. How is he 21? Uh, but yes, I'm, uh, I was in a little bit dusty yesterday. Uh, so my preparation might not be quite as bang on. It's like every end of season party though, or every big party that's on the horizon. You get a bit too overexcited uh, in the build up and end up, you know, dropping the hammer and going bananas the day before and uh, then suffering for when it's actually the party event. Kind of like a stag do. So Bursey, basically, you've not been selected for the Paris tournament. You've come out, you've had a couple too many Van Rouges, you're in the stands, and now the actual social's here and you're Struggle Street. Correct, I'm that guy. I'm that guy. I wish, I wish we were in Paris, but Paris we, is not happening. We should all be on the Eurostar, boys. I know, you normally it's rocking down there as well. What a shame to miss out on it. Such a good tourney. Good, good way to end the season normally. Yeah, do you boys rate Paris? I've only played it once. I um, the, Unfortunately, the last two, three years, I've been injured for the end of the season. Put your body on the line, unfortunately. Shock. But I, I, I love it. Shock. It's, it's, a, it's a great tourney. It's good fun. Like The, the crowd, unbelievable, um, especially if you're French. But they're really engaged. Really good crowd. Nice little Stade Jabouin. Uh, nice little compact stadium. Good fun. And you're, you're banging Paris. The hotel's nice. Nice, nice little afternoon cycling around the Champs Elysees. Love it. Bit of me that. I know that we've already picked up that you're you're looking a bit worse for wear. You've been on the source, fair enough. You've been celebrating your birthday, but is there another reason why you're a little bit out of sorts this morning? And uh, I've, I've been thinking about it and I've worked it out. And I think it's because we've got two other commentators coming on, and you feel like you've got a couple of dogs, probably dogs that maybe slightly bigger than you, have just strolled around the side of your house 
and they're pissing in your back garden. Not, not pretty tough. But Carl and Shawnee are good boys, aren't they? I mean, I, I've never met them, but uh, <laughs> your type. <laughs> I'm you're, not you have, mate. Shawnee, yeah. you're mate. Yeah. <laughs> well, they, 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 they come across as good boys by all accounts. Obviously, you've been fraternizing with them, Mitch, regularly on the pod scene. And Chip, there's actually a lovely photo of you and Big Sean Maloney where it looks like you poured a pint down your front in Cape Town. Someone poured a pint down my front. I can't comment over who it was. Could have been me, could have been him. Who knows? Um, no, he's a good lad. Um, big, Obviously, both big characters, um, always do great comms. It's, it's just really nice. I couldn't wait to work with some proper f- professionals today. <laughs> oh, that really cut him. That really cut him. Burnsy, is this like a job interview for you then? Are you, is this you fishing? You know how Chippy's been fishing all, all season for contracts. This is you now. Because I'm pretty sure you suggested getting these boys on. So was that you <laughs> hoping to get a job after this season? This has all been part of the master plan since day one, just to get me on the radar of these two. And they're like, there's going to be a stage on a series leg, whether at least end for a commentator. And they'll be sitting around, they'll be like, what about that numbskull that, uh, the boys do that pod with. <laughs> do you, I'll, get, I'll, get, I'll get the nod and it'll be the gateway. The guy that does dodgy accent. Um, do you really think the pod is a, good, is a good basis for trying to get a job as a full-time commentator, though? Uh, I'd like to... Uh, yeah. What? Yeah, of course it is. Why are you hating on the, why are you hating on the pod? Just because uh, your, mi- just your mistress is coming on the programme this week, Mitch. Don't get all <laughs> Billy Wilhelm McCuba testes about... Uh, being a broadcaster just remember where you cut your teeth first no I'm just I'm just talking down because I'm sad that it's over for the season that's all I am sad as well what a journey we've been on 18 episodes started from the bottom now we're here 18 episodes yeah I got a bit glassy-eyed about things on Sunday uh, thinking that this is going to be our last one for a while it's definitely gone uh, a lot better than any of us thought who uh looking back on it who are your favorite Guess your best moments from the first season of Seventh Heaven. We've had we've had some bloody good guests. To be fair, um, I think for me, um, I really enjoyed hearing what Shaggy had to say. Like his, like, I think mainly because it shocked me. Like I didn't expect him to be as deep as he was about the NFL. Um, and then he was he, like quite insightful about the game. And so it's like, we've had some, we've had some quality guests. So, so it's hard to pin it down on one. I think everyone who's come on has offered something different, but no, it's been class. Yeah, I really enjoyed talking to P. Bakes, probably your favourite as well, Bernsey. You haven't stopped talking about it. Um, but I think that, that was probably the first like in, full interview one we did, didn't we? Um, of this lockdown period and it was something a bit new for us and his energy was great so it was cool hearing about his sort of stuff a little bit of a different take on things so I'll, I'll go with that one but before you go Bernsey I was just laughing then thinking back to our first episode round your gaff where we rocked up into the seventh heaven studio before we had to do it socially distanced like this and we, we spent the first hour around your house trying to make the studio look nice for the video, the video which never saw the light of day anyway. And we're trying to pin up shirts to the wall and stuff. It was an absolute disaster. I'll be honest, at that point, about half an hour into that, I thought trying to trying to put sticky hooks on the wall, I was like, what what have I let myself in for here? What have I signed up for? The only thing that salvaged that night was the uh, chicken Kievs. Oh, what, what else we have? We had chicken wings as well. Mm-mm-mm. Thank you very much. It was a tremendous leap of faith you boys took in seventh heaven. And from the first leap, I think you felt that you were falling down a canyon into an abyss. 
that you never knew where the bottom was, but risen up and soared into the clouds now, haven't we? I think we've done some awesome episodes. And yeah, as you said, P-Bake, his energy was magic. That was exciting getting P-Bake on. I'm with you, Chip. Shaggy was my, my favorite one, actually. Uh, funnily enough, Rory McConaughey's dad commented on one of our posts this week saying that Dan Norton's last week was his favorite. So not his son's one. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. Um, whilst I really enjoy us just patting ourselves on the back and saying how well we've done amongst the three of us, it'd be nice to hear from the listeners, you know, what they've thought of the season, the series, which their favourites were, um, and what they'd like to hear more of if, when, Seventh Heaven gets up and running again next season. 100%. Yeah, get in touch. 100%. So, yeah, the plan is to have a, a small early summer break, shall we say. Our intention was always to end the series on the Paris weekend to wrap up the series. In fact, we've done more episodes than we'd initially planned. Lockdown has inspired a burst of creativity within us all, and we're glad for it. And due to Podder's welfare being observed by myself, Mitch and Chip, we are going to follow through with that and we're going to go for an early summer break. But we are planning to be back with a mini series where we're going to explore other parts of the game and not just specific to rugby but to sport in general some aspects about the business some aspects about psychology as you can tell we haven't fully formulated the plan yet by the way that i'm speaking but we are going to be coming back with something for you something slightly less seven specific but something that hopefully is going to be enjoyable for your ears like every episode that we've delivered to you across this six month period that's the, that's the seventh heaven pod way though, isn't it, Bernsey? Not having a really clear plan, flying a little bit by the seat of your pants, but that's made me excited. I'm, dro- I'm drooling at the prospect of those, uh, those mini series we've got coming up. So uh, hopefully the listeners are as well. Having said that, you can of course still like us, share us and subscribe to us across a multitude of platforms, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, Google Play, you name it, we're on it. And we would love to see that recognition from you uh, to show us that we're doing a good job and also bump us up the rankings so that we get into the ears of more rugby lovers out there. It'll also, it'll also keep Burns's ego inflated over the uh, off-season break. But that's our way, not to be too pre-prescribed. I was going to say very Fijian, but that's a bit insulting for you guys. <sighs> Back to the drawing book. Okay, Mitch, we're going to hit up around the corner three times and then uh, <laughs> Mitch is going to kick for the corner in sevens. <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna rumble it over. We're gonna get six lo- men. I'd love six love man that. in the line out, rumble it over. The only Some problem of with my that favorite is... tries have actually been malls. I think we've scored from two, maybe that I can remember off the top of my head. Argentina. And Argentina or Vancouver, I remember. And I think we had another one. You you dotted that one down, didn't you? No, I was, oh, no. Uh, I was second in on that one. I think it was It was Rory, I think, actually. Yeah, yeah, Rory, yeah. I was was trying to get the ball off him at the back of the mall. (laughs) He wasn't giving it to me. I wanted that. Throw in, latch at the back, then you wait to get get the ball on and flop over. When was the other one? I've scored a couple. Why do more teams not do a rolling mall from close in in sevens from a line out? Is it because it's ethically frowned upon yeah it's that's why it's because anyone who loves the game of sevens your soul dies a little bit every time you kick to the corner and do a rolling ball not true i love it absolutely love it say you're in the final 
of the Olympics. You are one score behind. Final play of the game. You've got a line out on the opposition five meter line. Would you go for a rolling more to close it out? A million percent. Or do, you, or do you think that that would just be the death of sevens? That would be the, the spirit ripped out of the heart of it as the Olympic gold is won with a rolling ball from five metres out. What, do we, do we need the kick after? Are we three points down or are we just five? Three points down, all you need is the meat. We're going the rolling mall. it's impossible to stop. You're a monster, Chip. I don't care. I feel a bit sick of the prospect of it, but the thing, I'll tell you, Bernsey, the reason why it doesn't happen all the time is because the risk of Mitch it... Mitch can't hit finals. <laughs> yeah, one, you got to hit the dart. <laughs> and there's a question mark. No, the risk of it is obviously if it, if it does get sacked and breaks down, you've got all your players in there and there's not, there's like not many options. So that's probably why some people don't, don't do it, but it's hard to stop, especially if you've got a big man like, like Chip Dog, bossing the line out, waving it in, securing it, rumbling around, wiggling his, his rear end on the way to the try line. I'm not sure how I feel about that as a, as a fan. We'll have to put put a vote on the instant. Um, uh, seven, seven, rolling mall, yes or no? Right, chaps, we've got a couple of very special guests and big personalities coming on today. For everybody who doesn't know their commentators from the World Series, chaps, tell us a little bit about Sean Maloney and Carlton Tanana. Big Carl used to play for New Zealand back in the day, ripping it up. Um, I think he's won Commonwealth gold medal. Uh, and Sean Maloney used to play for Manly. Uh, illustrious career. Uh, watching a bit of his highlights last night. We'll get onto that when he gets on. Um, and uh, obviously he's a hell of a commentator, just full of energy. Both like top lads, uh, keep it light and light-hearted, full of bant. Yeah, good boys. I think they've really come into their own in the last like year or two since they've been doing the that seven show and stuff like that. Like they're, they're proper characters on the series now and uh, everyone has a bit of a laugh with them as well. And it, it, it's good for the players, I think, because it keeps it pretty light. Because we, I think we've, we've both probably come across some commentators in the past, Chip, haven't we, that you feel a little bit, you've got to tiptoe around a little bit, knowing that they've got, they've got the power. That's the thing, ultimately, the commentators have the power. They can build you up or break you down on the mic. This is the responsibility that you've got to be aware of. 100%. That's my, uh, my rugby hero going into playing rugby originally was Lawrence Delalio. First time I played, um, I think it was the, the JP Morgan Sevens on TV. Um, he absolutely rinsed me for something I did. Um, heard it on the comms back. Absolutely soul destroyed. Not the hero anymore. Never listened to comms again after, apart from when Sean and Carly do it. Frantically scribbling down to learn from the masters who we've got coming up. It's Carlton Arna and Sean Maloney. Katie, you're in seventh heaven. Welcome. I know you're huge fans because you've been poaching our talent. Welcome. <laughs> I've been nurturing them in my allotment. They were just seeds when I found them, but they're, they're prize marrows now. And you came in and stole Mitch. There's work to go though, mate. We had to chop about eight minutes off Mitch's dribble. Is this the famous eight minutes where he allegedly dropped our pod in? Yeah, it's exactly yeah, what it was. You stitched me right out there, Shawnee, because these boys have been getting into me about not mentioning this podcast. Hi, Carl. Good to see you. You and Bernsey look like you're about to drop a biggest album of the year together. <laughs> <laughs> Go, bro. Really. Go, bro. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, it's, it's awesome to nice. be here, boys, and be part of a professional unit. You got the microphones and everything. Yeah, yeah. How's this going to work? Are we going to interview you three clowns, or are you going to ask some questions of us? I'm a little, I'm a little confused how the next little bit's going to go. Can you don't, don't Shawnee, don't come in too hot here because Burnsy's nervous. It's the first time he's had two pros on. All right, he's feeling like he's strolled into a job interview. So just take it easy on him. <laughs> <laughs> where are they? They must be you two. That's it, mate. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we're the glue that holds this podcast together. <laughs> Crazy Look, he's moving right. around. Bernie's moving around. He's sweating. Look at him. Do you know what, boys? It's the seventh heaven end of season party because we're all meant to be on our way over to Paris to go and enjoy the last leg and crown a champion. Obviously, that's been denied from us, just like the last three tournaments. So... It's a bit of a jamboree get-together, reflect on the season, talk about the big moments. You guys have been there all the way, that sort of vibe. So no one's interviewing anyone, but we can all fire some questions at each other if you're cool with that. As a starting point, gents, we were just talking about Paris and what a good tournament that is. Is that one that you boys liked? Not just for the rugby, but, you know, for the end of season, knees up. Every tournament's an end of season, knees (laughs) up for Carlton, (laughs) Anna. Wife to Paris last year. That's how romantic I was. Um, <laughs> no, she booked herself. She booked. She, she actually booked herself. Here's a credit card. I'll see you in a week. Hey, uh, back to your question, Tommy. Paris is a favourite of mine because Katie and I have been really lucky in doing some awesome uh, either cup finals or cup semi-finals there. And I go back to last year. Actually, it's funny you mentioned Paris because the World Rugby guys just bounced out this morning. The Combox cam call of that semi-final last year between Fiji and the USA where Fiji won and ended up securing the series with it. We've been really lucky, AK, so we had that one. And then I think going back a few years, we had Samoa coming back from maybe 17 down to beat Fiji in the cup final as well. Yeah, that was mega, wasn't it? I think the thing is always with London and Paris, you know, there's there's always something either whether it be the the, the winner of the series or the, the relegation. So it's always one of those tournaments that, is going to have those those games. There's a lot on them anyway, so it's going to have that natural excitement, and it's always a pretty good place to have a couple of wines. That's a buffalo chippy. Cool, that. So, is that is that how you boys kind of remember the good ones and the and the best tournaments based on like what the good games were to to cool over, or is it you know obviously the party is probably part of it as well, but is that how you kind of remember the good stuff by whether you got to call a good game? For me, it is definitely like the, the when you get that 45th game as a pure, pure matchup, when it's like a really good contest, that's when it all sort of comes together in the right way for me. Like you have all those fun bits along the way using Hong Kong as an example. Hopefully we still may get a swing of doing that in 2020 where you get the Saturday morning and that goes to plan in the South stand. There are all these little touch points that you seem to hit with each of these tournaments, but the big unknown is how things round out in that 45th game. And it's it's so rare, as you know, Tommy, now that we're back to seven-minute halves in a final, to get one that actually ebbs and flows and it comes down to the last play of the game. This this series, AKT, we've been lucky. We've had some, like, screaming cup finals to call. Yeah, I mean, there's been some monumental ones, you know, and um, teams coming out from from nowhere and then you've got the, the regulars as well, but... I mean, I'm with Shawnee. You always remember those 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 um, games, especially finals day takes care of itself a lot. Like playing as a commentator, you get that buzz off it. But for me, like the outside stuff, like going to Vancouver, it's a different vibe. You know, you walk around town and everything's close and it's just an out of a place. And when you come from the LA, I love the States. I love shopping and everything about the, the USA. Everything's just over the top. And 
like everywhere's quite unique and unique, you know, and even like Paris, I love the tradition. I love London, love coming to London, staying at the Lensbow and um, training three times a day. I feel like I'm in boot camp. <laughs> watching Tommy go through the movements. I love it. I love watching Tommy hurt and chippy, you know. He's gassing me, going around me. I want to ask you boys about your role uh, as part of the series because there's the 16 teams going to war on the park, doing the incredible things with the ball, exciting the fans, but you really frame it with your energy that you put into the comms. And I think, you know, you two as a, as a double act and Vic's in there well, as well have really made yourselves a massive part of watching the sevens on the series. And like the fun that you boys have on that seven show is so important for the, for the viewers and the supporters. Like, is like, it's, how have you gone about creating that sort of chemistry with you guys? Peter, you go first. You've been doing it a lot longer than me. What's your take? Um, you know, I think um, great footy is great footy. And, and, and I think that's where uh, me and Shawnee um, complement each other. You know, he's got his vibe and I've got my vibe and it sort of just comes out naturally. It's not something that can be forced, I, I suppose. And we both love the game and, and we both sort of realise we're in a unique situation when we get to get to go to some really cool places and meet some really cool people and do some really cool things and, 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 and get to watch some athletes, top class athletes go do their business, you know, and yes. um, it's just a really privileged position. And, and if some, some way we can sort of um, be a part of that. And then, you know, actually, and it, and it hurts me and Sean did to do this, send an invoice at the same time. And geez, mm. we'll just have to do it. as he sips on his second glass of rosé on the banks of the Seine that's tough for him Uh, one of the one of the things that I love about it Joey is that there's been a real shift towards an alignment of commentators and players so it's it's almost like we're all part of the same team so KT and I I think we're, we're quite united in our approach to trying to sell each of these guys so the dream outcome for me, and I'm sure it's the same for KT, is to be able to call a try that Chippy scores or if Tommy does something special on the park, to be able to give a sort or a commentary moment that can complement their play that they can then show their grandkids or be proud of for 15, 20, 30 years to come because they're elite in every in every sense of the word. And to be able to complement what they do on the park via words is kind of what my push point is. And I think it might be KT's too. You two can come on again. Yeah, I'm gonna get quite emotional if you keep talking like that, Shawnee. Well, you haven't done you haven't done much this year, so there's not much to, to touch back Ooh. on. There we go. That's that's the, that's the honesty, and that, that's what we need. We were saying, do you know what, boys? We were saying before you came on, we were like, oh, it's good because because like these two, you know, they're they're never really critical of the players, and I was thinking. Trying to think back to when Shawnee's really pulled my legs out from underneath me. He's done it a few times on the roundup shows, but I couldn't remember like what it was. But there was a case in point right there. That's good stuff. But I feel, I feel like, but honestly, I feel like there is a real strong underlying sense of respect and adulation, certainly from the entire commentary team. I know that all the guys that are there putting words to your play feel that way. There's a high level of respect. So I think when you've got that level of respect, it affords you the opportunity to have a little snipe or like a fun remark or a fun crack because it's taken in the right vibe and in the right, uh, what's the word, KT? Like it's it's just taken the right way, I suppose. Yeah, so we were just having a chat before we came on, uh, speaking about the relationship between the media and the players. And I think that in the past, certainly in the 15-a-side game in England, there's been an us-and-them mentality. 
I mean, great strides have been made by the likes of BT Sport to improve that relationship and make it more collaborative. But I mean, Chip, you got buried, didn't you, in your uh, first televised game in the sevens. And I just think that that kind of promotion of the sport that we love and the product that we're trying to elevate is refreshing now. Do you think it makes a difference that you've, that you've both played the game like to a high level as well? Do you think, one, that makes your appreciation for the game much better, but also kind of gives you a little bit of the right because you kind of understand what it's about? I reckon, yeah, we, I, I reckon I, KT, I mean, you're a much better place. You guys yeah. um, go through and, and, and have gone through. And, um, but there, there was a lot of that negative vibe here in New Zealand as well around commentary, whereas it was more about what, They've missed, you know, I like say missed tackle rather than, well, maybe it was a good piece of attack that, that created it, you know, and it started to turn a little bit to a, to a, to a degree because there's been a shift in the commentary with younger guys coming out and realising um, what, what what they're trying to do and create and, and have their positive vibe, you know. So, I mean, it's always been me and Shawnee's approach and, um, you know, we're not here to take the piss out of anyone. We're here to, to, to enhance and, and hopefully, you know, um, get a jersey or some tinket. <laughs> hey, feel, free, feel free to take the piss as much as you can in seventh heaven <laughs> Burns he'll send you a shirt after this yeah I need the cobalt blue I need the darker England colours because a bigger man never looks good in white so I'm happy with the darker colours Joey the other thing is as well that K- KT and I have to be across the fact and so too does Vix and, and Dallin and everyone else who chimes in with commentaries that we stay in the same hotel. So there's been numerous occasions where I've been in uh, a hotel on the same floor as the England team. I've had noughts staying next door to me, that kind of thing. So if you're going to have a crack, I need to be <laughs> I need to be able to walk past that room or bump into him or the rest of the England team or whoever it is and be able to hold my head up. So if I've had a dip at someone, again, going back to the fact that it's respect first, but then said, oh, and Norton's, um, you know, missed one of the easiest tackles of the afternoon, You've got to be able to back it up. You've got to be able to hold your head high and look them in the eye. And if they say to you, what are you doing going at me around that? You can say, well, mate, you did. You missed You missed a simple tackle. So there's that aspect of it too. And it, uh, I think, again, it goes back to that respect side of things and and not uh, not going negative, going positive first. So touching back on the uh, playing careers, Carl, I've seen like you keep being mentioned in people's all-time all-black sevens team like of the, of the millennium. Everyone keeps picking you up. And then, Shawnee, I was looking online a bit last night. I was thinking, what can I find you, Shawnee? I see you crashing one in and doing a massive celebration. I've seen you getting gassed and then saying you had a sore hamstring. I've seen, pe- I've seen people from your own team stamping on you. But most importantly of all is the head guard wearing. Shawnee, I always knew we had that bond together, but now it's yes. even more so that you, you've got the head guard, you're a fellow lid wearer. Mate, yeah. you, you're even more my hero now, so welcome to the club. Well, it's good. kept my ears intact for all these years. I didn't have any uh, dramas with head knocks, so I reckon there's something to that. My career pales in massive uh, insignificance when lined up against KT because like you, Chippy, I, I've gone back and had a look at some of KT's highlights and I'm like, oh, this guy could actually play. I'll never tell him to his face and I'm not telling him now, I'm telling you and Mitchell, he can actually play all right. Yeah, unbelievable, Jeff. I was watching some clips last night. Wow. <laughs> No, 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 no. Also, I, I want to see those 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 things you found, Chippy, on Shawnee. I want to see the hamstring pull. I want to see that on the pod. You keep that in there, Joey, please. Uh, I'll, I'll get some video over to you. It's quite funny. 
Yeah, so Katie, stylistically, this question may be a bit more for you than it is for Shawnee. Um, but how, how, have you, how have you seen the game of sevens change from the days when you were throwing the ball around to now you're on the mic calling it from the gantry? Yeah, I mean, um, it, was, it was a funny one because we're having the celebration of, um, of, of, the, of the 21st edition of the, of the New Zealand sevens. And uh, they showed our first final. That New Zealand rugby union put up the, the last day, the quarterfinal semi, and the tactics are very different now. <laughs> and, um, you know, there, there's a lot of things that have, that have changed, but there's a lot of things that are still the same, you know. I mean, at the end of the day, you've got to have that skill and execution under fatigue, and you have to be extremely fit. So I suppose one thing that probably has changed the most is a lot of players don't go from sevens to fifteens and back like they, they did when, when, when I was playing initially, you know. And that, that was a thing for me that I really enjoyed because as soon as you got rid of sick as Gordon Titchens and you weigh 30 kgs and you're out to go eat pies and McDonald's and put some weight on and play 15s for a little bit, you know? So, I mean, <laughs> but I, 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 otherwise it's pretty much the same, bro. We only got the pleasure of six legs this year. We were meant to have 10, but obviously world pandemic dictated otherwise. So just looking back on the season, the portion of the season that we had, what are the things that stick out for you? I mean, it seems an eternity ago that we were out in Dubai, starting in the sandpit as it always does, and uh, and then taking it to Vancouver. There was only six tournaments, but boy, were there some good moments. I think what I think what caught me, guys, is the up physicality of these sides. We know that every one of the sixteen on the circuit can score, but those cup finals in both Dubai and Cape Town, they were ridiculously physical. I mean, that one in Dubai, particularly, they were belting each other for the duration. Like every shot had so much sting in it. The work from both sides uh, to, to scramble and whack each other was extraordinary. So that's kind of one of the things that jumped out at me this series in particular, that it's been, it's been brutal. KT, what do you think? Yeah, totally agree. Even that, was it that semi-final England, New Zealand? There was two years in mm. a row. It was a semi-final this year, right? Dubai, you boys played New Zealand? The kickoff went short and they collected it on the nine meter line That's and went right. and won it. So let's see, he grabbed it and went away. Yeah, but it, like last year was the same, and this year that, that semi final was absolutely menacing, and then that final was 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 just the same, you know. So it was just it was unreal, un unreal. Was it was it Cape Town where it was nil all uh, between yes. New Zealand and South Africa until about what ten seconds before the buzzer for half time? That was unbelievable. I think it was actually nil at the break, Joey. It was zip, zip, and then 7-5 uh, full-time. McGarvey Black scored the try and uh, kicked the goal after. It might have been Justin Heddled scored for South Africa. So, yeah, that was that was a tight one. And then the other thing that just I just it blows me away, it really does, is the fitness of Chupi and, and Tommy England, the rest of those other uh, hundred odd. <laughs> I'm going somewhere with this. Stop massaging Chippy's ego today. It's a good I'm day. I'm going Today's somewhere with day. this. I'm going somewhere with this. Uh, in the heat, in the heat in Sydney, it was, I mean, for want of a better description, it was bullshit hot in Parramatta. It was around 48 degrees out in the middle, maybe a touch more on that Saturday afternoon. That they managed to get through that was unbelievable off the back of Hamilton where it was equally hot, just was, it was mind-blowing. I, I just... I'm stunned time and time again at the fitness and the resilience and the ability to back up from these uh, guys and girls. They're just extraordinary. Mate, that's Sydney. Was it the hottest you boys have played in? 
Yeah, hands down, hands down. That was like it was ridiculously hot, and there was all that chat about whether it was going to get cooled off. But it turns out there's mm. no there's no upper limit to the heat you play in in sevens apparently. But it was crazy because on the Saturday it was really really hot, and it was it was crazy. And then the Sunday we had those lightning storms, mm. and it was just like it was kind of all like a weird dream where you're just playing all these different conditions, and it was crazy. That was that was a nuts tournament. And then we started what, what, the smoke from the fires, eh? Yeah, yeah it was, as well. What what you give for a bit of smoke compared to the coronavirus? I mean, I'd happily take a little bit of smoke up in the air over that now. Uh, and then the other two, what we have, we had LA and, oh, man, LA. Whoa, that final in LA was probably, oh, I don't know, best KT, you reckon maybe the, best, maybe the best cup final we've ever been lucky enough to call? That was insane. Well, they come back, eh? Like, like, yeah, they come back. Done and, done and dusted. I thought Fiji, yeah, nah, there they go. They're off again, but South Africa, man, you got to give it to them. Oh, right. Ugh. Again. Again. What 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 threw me so much around that one is normally in commentary, you'll you'll hit a sweet point where, and I'm I'm very reluctant to go the early crow. You get a point, you get a moment in a game where you're like, okay, that is the match defining moment, and you go really hard on it. So there was this moment, there was they were down by South Africa down by twelve. There's a minute 15 on the clock. Someone goes quick and hard, carried about 40 out. One of the Fijians gets so It might have been um, Darren Olungi get over the top, wins the penalty, wins the steal. They kick to touch. You're like, that's the match-defining penalty. That's the title for Fiji here in LA. And then they miss that line out, and then the rest is in the history books. That was unbelievable. Mitch, you've been coaching lineouts. Branko Dupree did not that too. Oh, that was my highlight of the season, that final. Mm. Can I ask something? Why is that shirt, like, you, you got a half open, you got to at least wear a medallion or something. It's, you got the, the chest. <laughs> you got to play to your strengths, KT. There's a hat on top concealing the lids. <laughs> but I'm a of down to give the people the collarbones and a bit of brown sugar down here, mate. <laughs> Burns is showing off. He's pretty proud of the training he's been doing recently. Since we had P. Bake on the pod, he's been hitting the training hard. He's been doing his sprints. He's been doing his push-ups. Boys, uh, just just talking about LA, um, the American commentator you work with. Now, you boys are good, but this guy is all time. The phraseology that he comes out with. What is it like working with him? <laughs> He's shorty, shorty, shorty loves him. Oh, you go, shorty. I, I do, I do. So the guy, to give some context to the man himself, I mean, we're really lucky to work with some extremely talented broadcasters. Rupert Cox, I'm a massive fan of, who we're lucky enough to work alongside Dallin's. Um, right into it. But Bill Seward, we only ever get Billy on the USA legs and he's got a background, he's got an IMDB profile. Such is the class and the professionalism of Bill Seward. He's been in a few David Fincher movies, a couple of thrillers with him. So he's got runs on the board, but he is just so eccentric, but his delivery is so smooth. His voice is just absolute velvet. So There'll be stuff that he says in commentary where I'm standing behind them in the commentary box. KT will be next to him and he'll he'll let fly with a one-liner that you're like, where, what? <laughs> and KT will look around and look at me just go, what the hell? So, but it sounds, you're right, Joe, it just sounds so good. I, I'm such a huge fan of, uh, of Bill Seward. He does all sorts of stuff. He used to host Sports Center, I think, KT, about 20 years back. Yeah, and, and he does voiceover for Nike and like Sean said, he's done movies. Some of the stuff is just over there next to the moon. Luna. Yeah, Tommy and Chibi, if you can remember that one from last year in LA. Yeah, yeah. 
So yeah, Fernando Luna from Argentina, and he just <laughs> Luna. Fernando runs on him from maybe seven out, and he goes Luna. Luna means moon, and then he just goes Ah. <laughs> 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 oh, oh, good child, give him just, a cookie. Does it just come off the top of his head, or does he prep it? Does he have like a list of lines he wants to get in, or what? There are some commentators who have prep lists of lines. Bill Seawood is not one of them. It's all just straight out of the noggin. Wow. Vix 100% has, has got his lines written down. He is not smart enough to be coming up with them off the top of his head. <laughs> I'm Vix, not commenting. Vix is like, oh, let, let me say something funny now. Let me say something funny. <laughs> that's, how, that's how I feel on this podcast, to be fair. To be fair, there's a, there's a it's a really I mean we're really lucky to work with the group that we do and even those that sort of went before us, we were quite fortunate to be alongside a lot of them and and still remain to be. So in in a similar way that um, you guys have good banner and chip away at each other on the field, it's the same with the commentary team and obviously everyone wants to do a everyone's you know aiming for a hundred percent each game. So it's it's a good it's a really good mix. We're quite lucky in that regard. Yeah, I know that Mitch has been trawling through some past clips to find some of your best gems from well this season and seasons past. Do you guys get around after a day's play, sit down for a feed and have a bit of a recap and a debrief over the best one-liners of the day? Because there's got to be times when you guys are spouting things out where the other one actually can't speak in comms because they're laughing so much at what, what you just said. Um, it doesn't take dinner. It's straight after the game. Hey, what yeah. the hell is that, you <laughs> nerd? <laughs> KT, KT is relentless when it comes to Willie Lossay. KT rides him so hard; it's it's hilarious. Like it's it's funny to it's funny to watch. Like Willie again is really polished and an excellent commentator, but KT like shreds him in the commentary box. It's I think it's more when we take those crowd shots, Joey, that you kind of have these moments where you've got to check yourself because you'll have a cameraman and then a director cut and it'll be, I don't know, KT, help me out here, something really random where you kind of go to say something and you're like, actually, that'll get me out of a job for the next <laughs> couple of tournaments. God, give, give us some examples, lads. Where, 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 like uh, some faux pas that you guys have stumbled on. There was, uh, there was so many ways, there were so many ways, um, Tommy, that I could have taken the David Hasselhoff singing to the South Sand in Hong Kong a couple of years back because it was just so randomly weird and you had a little person, you had the Pamela Anderson lookalike, and then you had a guy that must have weighed, he must have weighed 700 pounds. And none of it made any sense. And then it was just there in front of us. And that could have had me finish. My career could have been over um, thanks to the Hoff. But then we got to see Hoff this year, which made it all worthwhile, KT. Oh, yeah. How's that? We had, we had the Perseven show. We take the piss out of it. We're down at his beach and you know, reenacting us saving people and, and whatever. And then he turns up on the sad day and the first thing he goes to me and Sean, he goes, hey, you were on my beach. You guys were terrible. You're like, what the fuck? Have you heard sing? <laughs> the Hoff rocked up. The Hoff rocked up uh, in makeup to the footy, which I, which I found a bold play. Um, but we've had him now at two events and I hope we get him for a few more. In fact, I just hope we get some more footy sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, so, boys, we'd love to hear uh, your your team of the series. I think that Chip or Mitch uh, dropped me a line. Obviously, present company excluded. Oh, come on. That's not it. I can't do that. Um, I can't. Can I just post it on the Instagram? Can I send it to you? Yeah. 
I need time to think that. I need time to think that one through. He's off the top. I mean, Darren Alang, he's been pretty good. He's he's been awesome up front. Um, can I punk out like Shorty? Yeah. No, we'll send them to you. We'll send them to you. I will say this, though, Joey, uh, Amanasi Tuimamba will definitely be in both our sides. Mm. Is that because you love saying his name? I've never seen, I've never heard so much pizzazz put into a name by a commentator. It is <laughs> unbelievable. You relish it. You relish it. What about moment of the series, guys? There's some real things that have stood out. That final in L.A., uh, Canada getting a podium finish for the first time since 2018, home comp, and the Vancouver going bananas. Paco Hernandez rate, rising like Lazarus from the dead to uh, to delete that guy when uh, when he was getting medical attention on, on the on the field. <laughs> God, what, what are some of the what are some of the things that stuck out for you boys? I would I would say the Cup final in LA will take some beating in terms of uh, all time Cup finals. The moment though, and I'm glad that you refreshed my memory around it was when Justin Douglas scored the try against Fiji to set Canada on the right path at home and he scores that try and leaps up into the front row of the stadium there at BC Place and he's caught by three Sasquatches, three Yetis <laughs> embraced him and held him up off the ground. And I thought that just says sevens through and through and through. Yeah, it's hard, um, it's all hard right, to we'll, beat the, the Americans yeah, what and Canadians, eh, when they get a bunch of yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they, they get so into it. And even like Harry Jones over in the corner, he's giving it the fist pump and the crowd come down and and, and, and embrace him. You know, that's the stuff we don't get in New Zealand in, in particular. I love that stuff. Love it. Um, fellas, we, we, we do have to run. Um, but listen, we're always here for you. If you want to talk shop again, uh, Carlton, Anna and Maloney are available for your services. Available for selection. Boys, thanks so much for jumping on it with in seventh heaven for us, lads. Really appreciate it. Love your work, fellas. Love what you're doing. No worries. You do you're always doing awesome. Doing awesome. One night in heaven, one night in heaven. I thought you did well to maintain your authority over some big dogs in the comms game, Bernsey. I could feel seventh heaven slipping from my grass into Sean Maloney's study for a, for a moment there, but I, I managed to wrestle it back at the last moment. Two questions for you, Bernsey. Firstly, if you were a wrestler, what wrestler would you be? Are you wrestling it back? And secondly, in this dog analogy, what dog are you? I think you're a dash on, because like I was gonna say Chihuahua, but like you're a bit longer and like a little bit of a little bit of a belly. So is maybe it, a, da- is it, a, a is dash. It, is a dash on the the posh sausage dogs? Yes. Yeah. Or wrestler, wrestler. That's a massive question. Whew. It had to be someone from the Attitude Era. Jeff Hardy. I mean, you can't can't say. Well, it'd be an honour to be uh, one of the Hardy brothers. Where's this? Where's this come from? He said he wanted to wrestle the pod back. I'm asking him oh, who, yeah, what wrestler, what wrestler he'd be. Mitch, you you'd be Mitch. Actually, like quite like Jeff Hardy, isn't he? Or Matt Hardy with the hair. Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels. Heartbreak. Oh, yeah, heartbreak yeah. kid. Heartbreak kid. After what he did to us. And he can be called Big Chin Music. <laughs> um. Right, so we've just had two commentators on, and what I, what I really wanted them to, to get into, but Bernsey, you might be able to shed light on this, is what is the ultimate faux pas for a commentator? Like, what's frowned upon? Like, there are a few things, obviously, in sevens, which you know you just don't do. What, what is it in the, in the comms box? What's frowned upon? What's a no-go area? I think it's interesting, um, because as I alluded to, and as they alluded to, they're their representation of World Series 7s 
shapes people's view of it. So their energy, their chemistry, their raw enthusiasm for the game is what people hear and it's what people see. And it really shapes your perspective of what's happening on the field. So if you get someone who's really negative or very critical, I think it's going to leave a dour, sour taste in the mouth when you're watching rugby. Whereas with them, you feel like they are, you feel like they're part of the, the sevens traveling circus, that they know all the players. And as Shawnee said, that he can have a little dig, a little chip because he's got that relationship with the players. And I think that with the media, if they're too detached from the players, they're not able to do that. They're not able to transport the viewer into the commentary box and make them feel they're part of the series. Cause that's what it feels like when you're watching them, you feel like they know all the boys, all the, all the female and male players love them. And what they're saying is correct because they're probably having quiet, trustworthy conversations around the dinner table rather than just interrogating them as media. So I think that's really important. And that's something they do amazingly well because you, can't deny you take a great lot of joy when you're watching sevens not just because of the magic that's happening on the field but because of the vibes that they're bringing um as for faux pas and i i know this is going to be rich coming from me after my mishap with sam dixon the other day but getting names wrong is unforgivable mispronunciation of names uh, in my opinion is unforgivable and that's something those two do with aplomb because to get someone's name right, all it takes is to go over and have a conversation and ask them, get it down phonetically and nail it. It's, it's, your, it's your one primary task and people think that it's not that big a deal. But can you imagine if you're a player out there doing great things on the field and your name is being mispronounced? I couldn't think of anything more frustrating. So that's a non-negotiable in my opinion. Imagine having a surname like De Carpentier. Yeah, how do you pronounce it, Chip? <laughs> the carpenter but you get so many people saying the carpenter or or loads of crap just like all sorts of it's, it's not the end of the world to be honest imagine being Fijian some of those boys they don't even get their names read out because they're a bit tricky to say but I think you're right Bernsey like there have been moments when a kid's been like a kid like a young lad or young girl's getting their debut and and the commentator calls them the wrong name or something on their debut or like their first tournament and it's just like, oh, uh, that's a shame because, you know, as Shawnee said, that clip, you'll hold on to that forever, probably. And that's a massive moment. And you, you can like no one's most people haven't got an ego big enough to probably care that much. But it's just a shame. It just takes the tarnish off it because it distracts people from what's going on. If someone's called you the wrong name and, and it, it happens more often than you, you'd think. And, and not not from those two. Those two are brilliant. And, and I think it's, you know, hard work, research. And actually, all the sevens commentators are pretty decent. Bear in mind, they've got so many players in one weekend. i tell you what really stood out for me as well, like, you know, what you said before, is about how he said about, because we were staying in the same hotel, staying next to each other, like, as a commentator, he's got to be able to, like, say something about someone on comms and then be able to walk past them. That, like, level of, like, kind of ban. Like Integrity. I don't mind, yeah, I don't mind him like taking a piss a bit, like because I see him all the time. Like we've obviously been, like been for a beer with him. He sounds like he's kind of that kind of level of one of the lads he's got to be able to speak about me on comms. I like, know dramas if he calls me like a bit tubby or whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay, free reign to go and talk. But it's, yeah, it's, it's professional integrity. I think that anything that you say or do, if somebody you should be 
willing for someone to call you out on it and for you to defend it. So if you say something and you're scared about repercussions, then you shouldn't say it. Then you shouldn't say it. One thing so, I've always wondered about as well is on, when you're on comms, you usually kind of have the lead and then the co-commentator, right? And, and obviously with experienced guys, it blends pretty naturally. But surely the biggest no-go between the pair of you is like talking over someone's comms. We have that on the pod enough. Like I can only imagine what it's like when you're doing 40 odd games over the course of a weekend. Yeah, sat, sat, next, sat next to each other is a lot easier to determine when someone's in their flow. And then it's time spent with each other. It's chemistry. Like those two all know when they're on a roll and when they're looking to deliver a line, they might put their hand up to pause the person from jumping in as well. But also it's quite interesting. So Shawnee obviously played for Manly. KT won the World Cup, captain New Zealand. So he's he's got expert opinions. So that's one thing about a commentator that they it's important for them not to forget themselves as well because everyone's got an opinion and it can be so tempting to give that opinion. But if you haven't played at the top of the game, then no one wants to hear it and it's totally irrelevant. So you need to... So, But KT is in a unique position where he does lead comms and his opinion is irrefutable because he's done it all in the game. One night in heaven, one night in heaven. Anyway, moving on to 15, or moving on to back to seven, sorry, not 15s. Um, did you get a chance to do a team of the season, Bernsey? I've got a team. Let's go with your team first, Chip, and then we can pitch them up against Shorty and, uh, and KT when they send them through. Right. So you, uh, at the first prop, Scott Curry. He's been heart of everything, life and soul of New Zealand, winning everything this year, top of the pile. Um, at hooker, um, I'm going for another big lad, um, Veradamu. He has been... He's been absolutely outstanding this season for a big lad shifting. Um, and he's in my one of the, I've picked two tries of the season. He's one of my tries of the season as well. Watching back a lot of footage in the last week in the build-up to this programme, I forgot how good France were at the start of the season. They were flying. I know that you guys had some real ding-dongs against them, but they came out of the traps like 100 million miles an hour. They were so good. And Veron Darmi, yeah, 100% agree with you. What was it like playing them? It was a weird one, wasn't it, Mitch? Because after the Europeans um, and getting one over, they were good in Europe. Like It was just obviously the final, we pipped them. Uh, well, we absolutely smashed them up in the final. It must have been nerves or whatever. I don't know. Um, Steven Perez didn't start, Mitch, did you? You were on the bench. Uh, but then as soon as they hit the series, I think all that training they'd done for the Europe's, Euro sorry, after um, kind of came into fruition when they hit the series because they, but the past two seasons they've been pretty good as well. They've been growing as a program. The coaching there, obviously, Banjo mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. The coaching's got like better, more consistent. They've been together a lot. They've done a lot of camps away from France as well. They've been like parked in Monaco for f five or six weeks, was it, or all over the shop? Yeah, I think they've been on the rise. I think you're right, Chip. They, um, they obviously were the, probably the team to beat, to be honest, going into Europe. And they were good last season. And then this season, they've just had a couple of those tournaments where they've been on the right side of the results and, instead of being on the wrong side of them in the close games. And that's mean that they, you know, they hit finals and, and, and medals and stuff. Um, but Because they've got the ingredients. That team, when you look at it on paper, is, is, is really strong. They've got a really good blend um, of like quick guys, skillful players, big guys. Um, so and I think they're almost like a USA. Not in the same way, that, but just building over a couple of years. And they will win a tournament, a World Series tournament before long, I'm pretty sure. And we'll, we'll see. But yeah, they were definitely one of the notable teams of this season, I thought, 
a team on the rise. I think they finished sixth overall, which is their highest finish for a while, maybe ever. I mean, they kept, they were, they came sixth and they had a poor Vancouver and a poor Sydney. In fact, uh, up until Hamilton, they had a bronze and a silver and a fourth. So they were going well. But that's where they're at, I think. You know, we're talking about how good they are, but they're, they're not quite at that point where they've got that consistent run in them. Um, they've still got the, the potential just to drop off a little bit. But remember, all that was kind of in context of knowing that their big tournament was the repechage at the end of the season. So actually, they probably peaked at the start, but they're maybe you know, happy to have a bit of a lull before peaking again for what would have been around this time. We said we said that though. Do you remember after the first couple of episodes um, of the pod, we said, "Oh, are France going too well?" Because you've got players in the dream team, they're ripping up the boys. They're going full squad, everyone. And we said, "Is is this too much too soon?" But obviously, what do we know? We couldn't have predicted the pandemic. If we could, we would have put stocks and shares in hand sanitizer and face masks. So moving on to my third prop. So we've got Scott Curry, Veradamu. Um, and I've got a, a slash here and I'm torn. I've got Mokka Nathangi. I'm already torn. Nice, Natalie. I'm all out of faith. <laughs> I'm picking Fijians <laughs> in my third place. <laughs> yeah, so I've got, I've got Mokka, Mokka Nathangi or Dara Lenangi. Dara Lenangi. Dara Lenangi. That is, that's tough. That's a tough, that's a tough pick. And I'm going to stick by my guns and say Mokka Nathangi because he's the first person that came to mind. He's a, he's a big goose, isn't he? He probably has had one of the standout moments of the series for, for backdoor boogies, one of the best ones I've seen. The no-look backdoor boogie against, was it against Australia? Against Australia, it was the transfer, wasn't it? It was the right hand to left hand and the backdoor all in one motion. And it was unnecessary. Yeah, 100% unnecessary. Um, but everyone seen that one, but no one saw Will Edwards did a longer one, which was silky as well. Yeah. Um, if we can get a clip of that, um, that was mega. Um, but yeah, he did a good one and he's just been, he scored a try against England, scored like a big long one from 60, 70 metres, was it? Where, do you remember where? Yeah, I remember chasing, I remember trying to chase him down, yeah. He's big and he's, he's quick, quick for and a big guy. Yeah, I think he's just been going well as well. And he scored quite some quite important tries for Fiji this year. So he's my third prop. So do you want to talk about Fiji? I always want to talk about Fiji because actually I think for me this year, when we're talking about the best or our favourite team from the season, obviously other than ourselves, Fiji have played some glorious rugby this year. It shows that actually playing amazing rugby at times doesn't get you to the top of the World Series because they're, they're finishing third by the looks of things. But some of the rugby they've played is just unbelievable to watch. There was one try that they scored Again, I think it was against Australia and they took a quick line out from five metres on their own line. To remember, that was my try of the season. Line out on their own line, step back, step back, down the short side, uh, two on one to two remember. And then two remember gets caught. Uh, no, yeah, he does get caught, doesn't he? And then run- I think it was Hutch chased back, tap, like goes to tackle him. The right foot steps back on himself on the 22. Yeah, oh, it's silky. Yeah, and that was just like that, that kind of play. And some of the offloading, keeping the ball alive. There was a, another clip from a tournament I was watching about. There was like six or seven offloads in a row, but just so fluid. And I think I, I've always kind of had an affinity for that fluid nature of their play. And, and when they're in their groove, it is unbelievable. Um, who else was good? Petitu's been good for them. Tua Mamba's been good for them. Like scored a bucket load of tries. Jerry Tua, obviously, like pulling the strings. 
He's too obvious for me. That's why I, he's not in my dream team. Oh, huge shout Because he's, well, he's, he's too obviously good. Therefore, he doesn't make it. Sounds, sounds counterintuitive. No, because he's been good for the last three years. He's not, like this year, he hasn't stood, is that bad that he hasn't stood out as much because he's always good? Or is it, that makes actually, sense. Just, like that's the, sta- what's the standard we hold him to, isn't it? Yeah, so because he, he's been, he hasn't been any better. Is that bad? Like, I'm not, I'm not punishing him, but I just think. <laughs> I don't, I don't think he's going to take it to heart. Jerry, he's my Instagram follower now. Jerry, he does, I'm sorry. He, he does listen. Uh, anyway, moving on to Scrum Half. Um, everything that's been right about South Africa uh, has started, I think, with one of the newer, newer arrivals on. Uh, the changing of the guard. So I've got Selvin Davids in there. I think he's been silky all season. I think just because of the change up that we've been so used to seeing uh, like the likes of Branko, Cecil and Justin dominating that 9-10 um, axis. So see Selvin coming in and tra- tra- actually making a massive difference when he's been in. He's, he's lightning quick, uh, his step. One of the, do you see that try he scored against Argentina where he breaking the legs, step, step, went through. But he just, he's lightning, isn't he? Like he's a quick boy and he just, he pulls strings and makes things happen and he's exciting. So that's why he's in the dream team. So I think South Africa's been an interesting one, hasn't it, this season with the way they've been playing. Um, they've been there, well, obviously two first two finals, won the first one, lost the second one in the tight affair, right up there. Their squad as well is evolving. They're losing big players. Like obviously Phil Snyman, massive player for them. Like it wasn't necessarily the, their best player, but such a leader for them. Kyle Brown going out also like 50, 50 plus tournaments, that experience going out. But then you've got young lads coming in and putting absolute shots in. Yeah, they've evolved and looks like the evolution's going really well for them. They, South Africa back up Mitch's point from a second ago when we were talking about Fiji, that just because you play the most beautiful rugby, you don't necessarily win. It's the classic line about South Africa, isn't it? That their defence is what wins the games. It's a cliche. It's very true. Um, but let's not forget that they still have to score tries. And they do that because they've got some, I think largely, some unbelievable individual uh, skilled attacking players. Like another big one for them has been Stedman Gans, who's taken over the captaincy as a young captain. He's come in. Really, really good bloke as well as a side point. Um, really level-headed, seems very relaxed, but also an unbelievable attacking player. His step, his step and his acceleration and pace is, is at times undefendable. So he's added that layer of X factor in for them, which they kind of built, you know, their defense is the foundation. And then they've got that stardust just sprinkled around their team with a couple of these boys with ridiculous feet who are quick as well. The 10 slot. I was kind of torn here, um, but I feel like I can't move away from New Zealand for this. So I've I've gone for New Stub. Is he a nine or a 10? I've just put him at 10. He can play 10. Yeah, he, he, he's interchangeable, I think. Yeah. But um, just the way that New Zealand have been playing this year, I think New Stub had to be in there. He's been a, like a constant throughout their team. Um, he's always, he always steps up to the to the plate when it comes to big performances. He's, yeah, he's just been integral to New Zealand's success this year, I think. As, as, along with Curry, he's been a driving force in their team. And obviously Crook Baker, but I'm not putting him in because he doesn't mess with me back to come on the pod. So Crook, you can hold the width. <laughs> well, we touched, we touched on it a couple of weeks ago with Sam Dixon that despite their success at the Commonwealth and the World Cup in 2018, it's been a return to form for New Zealand in terms of the series this season after a few lean years. Yeah, I think whilst we just said about South Africa who've been going well, and actually they're not that far behind them, 
it's just been the feeling that New Zealand have been very dominant this year and that they're well deserving of that top spot. I am pretty confident that if the season would have been concluded this weekend, they would have been lifting the trophy for the World Series oh, champions. Um, and that they just, they've just been very strong like across the board. It's not like you can probably single out one element of their game that's necessarily wins the matches. Their defense is, I think, has probably been the change from previous years. I think that's stepped up and they make it very hard for teams to score. Um, and, and that, so that's probably the only change. They've still got those excellent attacking players across the board and they're all very comfortable doing what they're doing. And, and I think maybe the X factor, which Dicko talked about last the other week was the, you know, their tightness and their cohesion as a group. Maybe what we're seeing in their consistency now is because they're actually a real tight knit group. Maybe they didn't have that before. You, you spoke about their defence. That was one of my moments of the season as well. Do you remember their... I know it's a really nosy moment of the season, but their defence against Fiji, when they took Fiji's like 40 phases or something mad, and you just see them going across and staying connected and making the tackles and trusting everyone to make the tackles. And that, for me, was like a sign of where New Zealand are at the moment. Um, they are absolutely rinsing it with defence, like staying connected. And, and as you said, Mitch, it's probably something to do with the the way that they are off the field. Yeah, because just picking up on that phrase, like staying connected, it can obviously mean so many different things to different people. That concept of defensively, you've got to stay connected. Now, that doesn't, like a connection can take many forms. And I think for New Zealand, where they're so good is that they understand how one another play. So they understand when one another are going to make a certain read in defence. So it might look, even when it looks chaotic, I think there's a real kind of measured uh, feel to it for them because there's, there's a cohesion in their, uh, in their anticipation in the way they read each other. Moving on then to the centre role. So I was thinking of going rogue and picking two wingers as, as centre and wing, like the P, the Pivet, Carl and Axis. Um, but I've gone for... Uh, is it? Have I? I don't know. I've gone for Barack. I've put him in there. Friend just of the pod. Friend of the friend pod. Friend of the pod. He's been, um, he's, he's, he was being class for the first couple of tournaments when France were doing well. It wasn't so much France doing well. It was Barack pulling strings, um, chasing people down, scoring really important tries, setting Veradamu up. I just think he, it like, Mitch, when you're playing well, we play well as well. Like he's he he is the Tom Mitchell of of uh, France. Like he he's just been doing so well this season. I think the way France have been growing, I think he deserves the nod for the centre role. So I've just put him Barack in at centre, pulling strings, gassing people. Yeah, silky operator, um, and loves the hiss as well. <laughs> yeah, good shout. Definitely a figure of the rising France side this year. And on the wing, you could have put two member in, um, but I've gone for a newcomer to the series who's the, the top, I think he's a top try scorer, Jordan Conroy. For for a new player, new team on the season, I don't think I've seen a team go quite as well as Ireland have straight to the series, like a duck to water, like inexperienced in World Series events, like obviously playing two Londons and a Paris maybe in the before this season. But the, when they came on the series, they hit like... He, he's been integral. He's been at the end of everything for Ireland. I think he scored four tries in one match in Dubai against Scotland. Um, he's five. been like, was it five? Jesus. Five what? tries in one match. Um, it's like me back at school. Um, but he is like all over the shop and his Instagram as well is a bit off the hook. Um, so Jordan Conroy, <laughs> the end of, he's the epitome of the Ireland team. Um, so he is, 
what we're going to pick on the wing. Jordan Conroy on the dream team. Yeah, it's, it's pretty difficult to look past a guy who scored 30 tries. The next closest is Carlin Isles on 22, and they're a new series team. And I guess, Mitch, that's a very, very good example of the point that you made about connection and cohesion within a squad. Yes, they're new to the series, but they've been on this extraordinary tough journey to rise through the World 7's rankings and fight for their place on the series. Yeah, massively. A lot of those guys have been playing in that team uh, in their build-up to this coming on the series for a long time. Uh, and they've got a couple of really key figures that, and, and Jordan's definitely one of them. Um, and it's just, it's quite kind of, it's quite nice that even going back to schoolboy days, Chip, it's the same on the World Series now. If you're quicker than everyone else, you're going to score tries. And like, and, and a fair play to him to be that far ahead in the tries, the try scoring is unbelievable. And you, I agree with you, Ireland for me, one of the highlights of the season, how they've come on, finished 10th in the World Series. For your first season to do that is is really impressive. And it's not just, and, and it is all the, you know, obviously it's the guys on the field who are doing the business, but it just shows that there must be some clout behind what they're doing. There must be the backing from the union. It's obviously being planned. They've built to this point. It's not that they just got lucky, won the tournament in Hong Kong and stumbled their way into the series. You know, to be this consistent against the, the big boys, like that's that's a real sign. And we know from playing them, they're a good team. You know, we and we knew from minute one on the, as soon as they got announced as a World Series team that they were going to hold their own. So it's not surprising, but it's not something that we should disregard because it's a real achievement. 100%. And Mitch, you said about um, them coming on the series. Normally when you get the team get promoted, like for the past couple of years, it's been Japan and Russia kind of back and forth. And you kind of go into those games and no game's easy, but you know that if you get it right, you are going to win. Where sometimes against this the island team, you, you've seen they've, they've been real close and they're hard to beat. Um with the, with this, you said as well, they've been so close as well on some occasions. So the first couple of tournaments, I think they were like really close against Australia and Dubai to getting out of the group and through. Um, they've they've hit quarters. They've like they've done all right. Fair like fair play to them. Like coming onto the series and doing what they've done with the, like sp- that spine of the team. You got Manolti, Dardis, um, Conroy, like that Kennedy, like those three or four players. Those and I and everyone. I'm not saying that the other t- the others aren't great but that span of the team the leadership there I Billy's like led him really well the whole season and um, yeah so big raps to Ireland massive big hand yeah let's not forget that they haven't they haven't hit a semi this year as well so Jordan Conroy's try scoring is even more remarkable that they'll have played a lot less games especially with regard to when the new quarterfinals um format problem was in play at the start of the season so 30 tries is pretty insane yeah you do there is from the cynical side again this is my role on the pod you do have to take bear in mind though that if they have been playing on the bottom half of the comp in tournaments at any stage the you score more tries but i actually don't well so we used to give noughts that shit all the time because obviously he scored loads of tries but there were a couple of seasons where occasionally we'd find ourselves in what used to be the bowl competition uh, is and that what we used to call it? The Cabbage what? Cup. The Cabbage Cup. <laughs> the Big Biro. <laughs> the Big Biro Trophy. And the th- and obviously back then you were playing easier games. So the chances are you'd, you'd score more tries. But actually, I don't know if that stands now because even if you end up in the bottom half of the competition on day two or day three, you're actually, the games aren't easy. You're not getting a runaway 30, 40 pointer, really. Let's be honest. Like it just doesn't happen anymore. 
All right, good, good selections there, Chip. I like them. Mitch, who do you think should be in that seven that Chip has overlooked? Uh, uh, well, uh, <laughs> let's go back to Jerry. I'll, I'd have him in there. Um, I think he's... I'd always have him in there. I think every year that he's been playing on the World Series, he'd probably make my dream team. So I think I'd probably have him in. He's, he's on my bench. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, you could pick a few guys out of the New Zealand team. It's, uh, it's hard to say because those boys have been good for a lot of years. So you're, looking, you're kind of looking for someone who's had a standout year. But, you know, we talked about Malia, uh, who's been in class. Regan Ware, who's, who's brilliant for them. Like, unbelievable attacking threat. Uh, I don't know if I'd put any of them in over any of your picks. One from Australia, I'd go with Lockie Miller. I think he has come on with a bit of a uh, bit of a barnstorming kind of announced himself on the World Series this year. Some of his highlights are ridiculous. He was a try he assisted in, pretty sure it was Vancouver, did the big whack off his right foot, I think twice, three times, and then a couple of passes scored in the corner. And that was unbelievable. But he, he's been really good. He, he'll be one to watch going forward for sure. Um, I don't know. I think you've got a good side there, Chip. I'm struggling to pick anyone else out of that. Uh, Australia has, uh, haven't had a bad year by any stretch, but they've not been as good. Mr. Anderson was quite good, Mr. Anderson. You say they've not been quite as good. They've, they've done some good stuff. They've been in, well, they pushed for the final in the last tournament we had, obviously in Vancouver. Um, they've been, they've been there I think and thereabouts. Should, I... They've been a strong side. And again, they were one who we were wondering how they'd go because they had the big push for uh, their qualifier. The Oceana qualifier before the season so they must be coming to the season pretty cooked but kind of hasn't really shown through I mean if Australia hadn't bombed in Cape Town I mean they only got five series points then they would easily easily be third in the standings behind South Africa and New Zealand and because uh, they're only two points behind Fiji in fourth and uh, yeah they've got they've got a five pointer on their tally so they've been in the mix consistently throughout the season well, they would have been up there for a podium finish, wouldn't they? That, like if we'd had another few tournaments, I reckon they would have, unless they would have faded off because of the fatigue, maybe that would have hit in. But, you know, they're a pretty tough bunch of boys. I think they would have stuck at it and uh, we might have seen them on the podium for the, for the uh, last, last leg in Paris. Yeah, real scrappers, those Australians. So yeah, I'm sure they would have stuck right in there. A uh, few other sides that I haven't got to mention. No one from USA. They did so well last season, but it just didn't click for them this oh, year. Of course. Hang on, hang on. It's hard not to put our man P. Bacon in that team. Like, he, he, he's not had his strongest year, I don't think. He was saving the, himself yeah. for the Olympics. The team hasn't had the strongest year either, which is kind of a reflection for P. Bacon. He's done some absolute magic. Some of the clips I've been watching the, since we, we said about the roundup, he has scored and set up... Oh no, he scored one down the... I think it was down the left-hand side. Do you remember? Who was it against where he's like... Steps back inside two people, gets half scragged, offloads. Someone else gets offload, uh, tackled straight back to him. He's He's been outstanding again this year and he's he's my first sub I'm putting on. Chip, you and me have been watching the same World Rugby highlights last night. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Let's touch on some of the nations a bit further down the table. Scotland, Kenya, Samoa, Spain and Wales. Any players from there? Any reflections on what they've offered throughout the series? Yeah, so you, you've got to look at Samoa. Um, their skipper, Tomasi, top boy, swapped a shirt with him. Um, he's a legend and he's been playing bloody well this year as well for Samoa. He's at the heart of everything good they do. 
Um, obviously, Scotland as well been going good guns. Um, one of my um, moments of the season, uh, unfortunately, was Scotland. I think just for the whole story about everything with Fem. So that was kind of one of the. It was mentioned in my moment of the season because it's a it's a big moment, isn't it, for a young lad to go against their mentor from the previous year and and get the better of him. So like big raps to Fem doing that. Scotland been going good guns. Um, who else did you say? Kenya. Kenya. Kenya have played some good stuff. But I think we talked a lot more about them at the start of the season in expectation of what could happen after a few uh, a few signs that it's not really come to fruition other than in their dance move celebrations, which are gold, and I hope we see much more of those. Um, Spain, Spain would be an interesting one for me because I think, we, you know, coming in, we would have been coming to what essentially home tournaments for them, London and Paris now. And if they, they could have finished really strong, obviously they still would have been down the bottom, but Spain are one of those sides that just had a good feel about the way they were going. Um, you know, they were, they were looking safe for survival and it would have been good to see them get more tournaments under their belt, come into next year after make some more experience and build and, and kind of really be a team that starts to push up the table. Cause I think they've, they're probably lacking a bit of X factor. You know, they don't necessarily have those game break uh, players that you need to, to win those tight games, the big games, but they're a really solid unit and they've all across the board got a good skill set, and, uh, and they're a tight bunch. Yeah, obviously led by a short man as well. So big, big raps to Paco. So you know it's good. And Paco up there with the moments of your favourite moment of the season, Burnsy, surely. It's def- it definitely raised the most eyebrows. I, I still don't think it is play on, but still an absolutely unreal bit of footage to be watching on a, on a weekend. Let's, that leads us on nicely then to what about the big hits from the year? Because there's one that I've got that, Definitely Paco's one, the blind side, Rise from the Dead was one of them. That was brilliant. The one that I've, the one that I've gone for was Gaston. Gaston Ravel, the Argentinian skipper or ex-skipper, little halfback, good, good man, good mate of mine. He got absolutely melted by two men yeah. in LA yeah. and like written off to the point. I remember watching it live and the intake of breath from everyone, like just generally out of concern for his welfare. because. He got folded so hard. It was unbelievable display of power from two members that just folded him. That I had that was my one. That was my one. What a hit. Oh my Cl- god. What a classic. What an awful pass. Your teammate getting the assist on the big hit. So my big hit this season. Um well, there's a couple of contenders with Lewis Holland puts putting a couple of big hits on and off the pitch. Um, but my actual big hit of the season goes to Alvin on Alvin Otieno. He was been running over pe- people all season. The Kenyan Buffalo charging, rampaging through, and he runs at uh, Justin Gadould, one of South Africa's skip more skinnier, slighter um, tacklers. And obviously goes to bounce him uh, and Justin gets it absolutely spot on underneath the ball. Textbook absolutely smokes him. The big lad, he must have 30, 40 kilos on him. So that the David versus Goliath, Justin versus Alvin. Uh, so Justin gets my big hit of the season. That is, uh, I really enjoyed that moment because it had been like four or five tournaments of Alvin just embarrassing people, running through people like they weren't even there. And then Justin... Gets him down in style for the little man. One for the sweepers. Last but not least, try of the series, boys. Oh, I've got, I've got, so I've got two. We've spoke about one already. Me and Mitch touched on it um, with two Mamba versus Australia. Um, um, but another one, just because he's a big goose as well. Um, Veradami's one against Ireland and Hamilton. 
where he's he's gone through. Uh, he's got a big fend on somewhere. It doesn't look like he's getting away. And then the sweepers come across, and he, I think he actually thinks he's getting tackled before the line. And as he's fallen, he's like, "Oh, I'm going to offload this because he's Fijian or French, French Fijian." Uh, and then he ends up. He's like, oh god, there's a line. There. I might as well put that down. Uh, a big goose going a long way. Um, so it's a toss up between those. It looked like Veradava was in a training game, didn't he? When he was scoring that try, just like, and they were playing touch. And it was just like he was taking a piss. It was, I mean, he was on fire in Hamilton. His attacking game in Hamilton was unbelievable. That's actually one of my personal highlights of the year, was actually managing to tackle him in Hamilton. And I, I, probably high, career highlight, because that man is so quick and so big and makes people look like ragdolls, including me, on a regular basis. He, yeah, that try chip, wow power yeah so i i had that one argentina they scored a great uh kick from a cross field against fiji and hamilton can't have um, it sorry. <laughs> and i'm gonna give a shout out to the little guy the korea got a great try against france in la uh on the buzzer i think they went the majority of the pitch loads of passing loads of interplay and they finally got across the line like w- clock well into the red fighting on so lads my best try and i know this is breaking the rules a little bit because generally we don't tend to talk about our own team but i watched this one on tv from home and i was missing i was missing the boys uh not being out there in dubai right at the start of the season and and i I was i was kind of it's never enjoyable watching but there was this brilliant moment england against france the, the best thing about this try was that it started from France setting up a, it was a tap penalty. They set up the old fashioned wall scenario where you tap, pass it to three guys with their backs to the, the defence. Clock was in the red, wasn't it as well? Clock was oh, pretty much, I think they had 30 seconds to go. They were ahead. All right, just needed to seal the game off. They've set up this rogue penalty move. They've brought it back. Anyway, massive hit, Ben Harris, one of the young lads, marking himself out on the World Series. My buddy, I taught him it. I told him before the game, I was like, just put a massive hit in. Chippy, talk about everything he knows, claiming that big hit. Fair enough. All right, Ben's not here to, to argue the case. Anyway, Benny Harris had a great season, really set the tone there. Boom, folded the guy. Balls popped loose. All right, everyone's thinking this could be it for England. It's pounced on. England have got the ball. Finds its way to the, into the hands of Will Muir, a faithful listener to the pod. Blue hands. <laughs> Blue hands. Campbell. The horse himself finds himself galloping down the paddock in the sunny Dubai desert. And you think he's messed it up. Ollie Lindsay Hage run a support line. Will's not found him. Ollie's throwing his hands up, thinking he's, he's butchered it for everyone. Next minute, Will Muir has just got his long old hooves out, fending off Frenchmen and striding those big, horrible legs out, lanky old legs, pins, striding towards the try line, flops over the try line, gets a shot from the Frenchman for his troubles as well afterwards. The boys are there celebrating. They've won the game. Last play into the red zone. Unbelievable scenes. Mitch, 100%. That would have been one of my moments of the season as well. What a, um, For a terrible bloke to score such a good try, it's just outstanding. You've got two, two of my... I've obviously welcomed Will Muir under the, the massive wing of, of myself for a, uh, for a buddy as well. Will Muir taught him everything he knows. Benny Harris taught him everything he knows as well. They've both been growing under my tutelage of the last couple of years. Um, nah, they, uh, what a try. What a finish to a game. 
Big Benny Harris stepping up. Is he, I think he's 19, putting a shot in like that. Massive shot. The only problem with the whole thing is that Benny Harris has got pink boots on. Oh, right. I think that is a pretty comprehensive wrap of the season, boys. Yeah, and it's not been our best season for anyone. It's obviously not given us quite what we wanted, what we're expecting, but we've made the best of it, and that's what Sevens is all about. Really enjoyed it. Burnsy, thanks very much for for putting up with us. Um, if you change your, our emojis to actual microphones on the Instagram now, so we've got the same mic as you, like I'd really appreciate that. Uh, endorse me on LinkedIn. Shout out to anyone who wants to give me a job for next year. Uh, Burnsy, loved it. Top man. I see what I can do, boys. I think you might have passed the audition and unlike Alan Partridge, you're going to get a second season. Right, what a glorious walk down memory lane, chaps. There is going to be a return of the pod. As I said, we're going to be taking a little early summer break, collect our thoughts, recharge the batteries and come back to you with a mini series, still bringing you fantastic guests, questionable banter, but an hour or so's entertainment. But that's a little bit in the future. So we're going to take a time out and watch our socials for all the information on when the latest episodes are going to drop. But in that time, you can go back through our episode catalogue Skip episode two, as always, because that was an absolute shambles. But the rest of them are well worth a listen, especially the ones with the interviews with some of the biggest names in the game. While you're at it, like us, share us, subscribe to us on all the podcasting listening platforms. And last but by very much no means least, it is a thank you to you for listening. A thank you to all our amazing guests. And a big shout out to Director Tom, who has been in charge of all the technicals this season with the audio and the beautiful Instagram clips. His work has been truly invaluable. But until next time, from all of us in Seventh Heaven, it is adios. See you then. It's been real. <laughs> <laughs>